Shalom and welcome to the Community Podcast Series. My name is Leanne Jeppa and I am the founder of Community Calgary and I am your host today. I am so thrilled to be talking with a very inspirational, passionate and funny lady named Dana Goldstein. Dana is the CEO of Digital Shoebox Media, author and content creator. Dana was also featured in our premier issue of the Community Magazine, which is still available for purchase and you can get yourself a copy by visiting our website at www.community-magazine.ca. Please join me in welcoming Dana Goldstein to our community. Hello, Dana. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Let's just jump right in and start uh, by talking about your latest book that was just released called Murder on My Mind, a memoir of menopause. So tell me, Dana, what inspired you to write this book? So I'm a natural born storyteller. And one of the things that I like to do in my writing is tell Uh, honest and candid stories. So when I had finished The Girl in the Gold Bikini and was thinking about what my next project was going to be, um, it just kind of dawned on me that maybe I need to share my menopausal journey because it was uh, a six-year-long perimenopause journey and then menopause, which is just the one day, and then your post-menopause. And people weren't really talking about it. Women don't share what they're going through. And I thought, well, as a memoirist, I guess it's my job to tell those stories and to be extremely open and honest about everything that I experienced from head to toe, inside and outside. Sure. And I know your book, it was very candid and and very honest about your experiences. So after writing this book, how how do you best think that we can just sort of start that conversation um, around menopause amongst our peers or, uh, you know, even even with our, our daughters? You know, it's menopause is not something that just naturally comes up in conversation sometimes, but we need to be really listening to what our friends are telling us. So when they're making jokes about oh my God, I sweat so much, I have to change the sheets every night. That's an opening. (laughs) When they say things like, I swear to God, I don't know where my head is at sometimes. I I lose things. I forget things. I I listen to conversations that apparently I was a part of and can have zero recollection of. (laughs) That's an opening. So it just, it starts with just hearing what your friends are saying and what the people around you are saying that they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And even if they're joking about it, that's a chance to say, you know what, that happens to me too. I don't know why we don't talk about it. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I think it might be for, you know, a lot of women when you, when you're getting to that stage of, of, of the life cycle, you almost feel like you're on the other side now. And, And I think it can just be scary and, and, 
uh, a little bit nerve wracking to, to talk about. And I know the, the experiences can be so different for every woman that, you know, I think you're right. Just talking about it helps to normalize what you're going through and, and what so many other people might be experiencing, but just had no idea that this might be the start, uh, of menopause. You do talk a lot in your book about um, your relationship with your husband. What would be some uh, suggestions or recommendations for helping your partner uh, through the menopause period as well? Um, be open to having a conversation and sharing what's going through your mind. You know, my husband, Jeff, he didn't read the book until the very last draft before it was published. And when he read it, he said to me, he was quite upset that I didn't share anything of what was going on with my mind and my body. I didn't, I just, I internalized all of it. I dealt with it. That's the kind of person that I am. And I think a lot of women are like that. And he was really disappointed that I didn't share anything with him because not that he could fix it or change it, but at least he could support me in those crazy moments where I'm completely irrational. And it would have probably helped him identify like why I was looking at him with like daggers coming out of my <laughs> eyes just because he was sitting on the couch beside me. He needed, a, he needed to be warned. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's probably good advice is just give give a little bit of warning and just say, listen, honey, I think I might be having one of those moments so that uh, he kind of knows what's, what's coming down the pipeline. Uh, in terms of the support that you received from your doctor, what advice would you have for women that might be feeling that their doctor isn't hearing them or or what types of um, perhaps treatments or uh, testing, would you really advocate that a woman should be asking to have done with their healthcare practitioner? I think part of the big challenge is not a lot of, there's not a lot that's known about menopause. Mm -hmm. um, it's not an area that doctors specialize in, certainly not a general practitioner. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not that they don't care about what's happening is that they've been trained to just sort of medicate it or mm -hmm. recommend that you speak to a therapist or a psychiatrist or you know change your diet or exercise that they, they're doing the best they can with the tools that they're given sure. so there's a lot of different options out there for um, medications for natural supplements that will help with you know, hot flashes or insomnia. Um, if, if your medical practitioner prescribes something like antidepressants and you feel that that's not the right way, you don't have to take that prescription. Mm -hmm. You don't have to take those medications if you don't think that they are going to help. Like you know what's normal for you. Yeah. You know, You know when you're being irrational, you know that having to wash your sheets every day for three weeks because you're sweating is not normal, right? So sure. you know, you need to know what's com what, what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. there are, there's um, hormone replacement therapy, there's uh, natural supplements, there's, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a biomimicking mm -hmm. patch, I believe, that will 
um, mimic your biology and make this voyage a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So you, you do your research, you try things and see if they work, you know, not melatonin doesn't work for everybody. Right. right. right? For me, it has to be, here's an example. So melatonin is supposed to be great to help you get to sleep and stay asleep. Mm -hmm. But for myself, when I was like deep in the perimenopause, taking a melatonin helped me fall asleep, but didn't help me maintain that sleep. So when I woke up in the middle of the night, like 2.30 in the morning to go to the bathroom, that was the end. Oh, I was gosh. up for the rest of the, for the rest of the day. So, you know, I had to sort of try, okay, well, maybe if I have a cup of um, natural supplement tea, like an herbal tea, mm -hmm. maybe that will help sustain sleep. So I tried that, <laughs> which uh, I did that plus melatonin. So I was still falling asleep really easily, but uh, the tea actually made me get up earlier to go to the bathroom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I couldn't fall back asleep again because oh, the gosh. brain starts going. Right, um, right. So I just, I kept trying different things, different herbal supplements, different teas, different combinations. I had tea earlier in the day. And then I decided maybe it's just my bedtime that's out of whack. So mm -hmm. in, I'm up at five o'clock every morning. So normally like by 930, I would be in bed. So sure. I started going to bed at like 10 or 1030. Mm -hmm. And I actually sleep right through the night now. <laughs> it's almost like so, a baby. It's like we're, we, we're regressing in this stage. We have to try to find the right balance of what time to go to sleep in order to like maximize the amount of hours. Right. And I joke with my children that because I'm in this menopausal, I'm postmenopause now, mm -hmm. but um, the sleep is still an issue. And I joke with them that, you know, when the world opens up again and they're out being teenagers, they will never be able to sneak in because I'll be up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, you also talk in the book about your uh, experiences, like when you were younger growing up and when your mom was going through menopause and probably at that age and stage of your life, you, you weren't totally sure what was going on, but do you feel that having observed what your mom went through, is that at all similar to what you experienced? Um, I don't know the full depth of her symptoms, but I do clearly remember her being, two things I remember, uh, her being very irrational and quick to anger <laughs> and watching her long-term friendships disintegrate mm -hmm. because of some perceived slight or right. some emotional baggage that she just couldn't let go of. Mm -hmm. um, so while I was walking through the perimenopause, I was really aware of what I had witnessed in my mother. She would never talk about it. Yeah. She would never admit that she was in menopause. <laughs> she would, you know, when I asked her about it, I don't remember these things. Like much later right, right. in her 60s, I don't remember these things. So I didn't have a lot of background on what I could expect. But as you already indicated, every woman is so different. Mm -hmm. And what our mothers went through may not be indicative of what we will go through. Sure. But at least I think as a generation, we're far more aware of, of what's happening to us as it's happening. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, our mothers like, they just, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. They slept it under the rug. Right, right. 
right? Mm -hmm. But for us, we're like, okay, this is not normal for me, right? I think we have a a better awareness Mm -hmm. of what's happening. I certainly did. That doesn't mean I didn't have, you know, days where I was completely irrational and flying off the handle and crying for no reason. (laughs) But I knew as it was happening, I was completely in that moment of of distress or confusion. Mm -hmm. But then after I was like, oh yeah, this is not me. This is my hormones. Right. Yeah. It's so interesting how it can be such a different journey for, for every woman. Uh, now speaking of journey, let's talk about the journey of becoming a published author. What, what wild road has that been like for you? Cause I know this is your second book. So you've done this once, uh, once before. So tell me a little bit about how that publishing journey, um, came to fruition. And is this something that you kind of always had a passion for like writing a book or is this something that kind of sparked in you uh, a little bit later on in life? You know, I think I knew I was a writer probably when I was in grade nine. I have this really distinct memory. I was sitting at uh, a desk, my desk in my bedroom. I had this huge oversized wood desk that was passed down from cousin to cousin to cousin. And I remember sitting at the desk with, you know, those notebooks that we had in the, this would probably have been the 80s. So they were, you know, the notebooks that um, were small with with lines and then the backside was blank and there was a staple in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I think Hilroy made all those notebooks. <laughs> and I remember sitting there, and this one was like mint green. And it was a brand new notebook. And I had a pile uh, to my left of pens and pencils. And I remember sitting down and opening to that first blank page and starting to write a story. I couldn't tell you what the story was about, and I'm sure it was horrible, Mm -hmm. but I always knew that I wanted to write. I just didn't know what that looked like. And um, I had a teacher, you always remember the ones who make make the changes, right? So in grade nine, I had a teacher, Mrs. Gladstone, uh, who told me like we had to do a writing assignment and she was the one who said to me you should probably think about being a journalist and in 1984 I had no idea what a journalist (laughs) was so the you know over time the dream evolved once I figured out oh that's somebody who writes stories for the newspapers Mm -hmm. um I kind of was heading in that path Uh, You know, I did my undergrad and then I did a second degree in journalism and I worked for newspapers and media and magazines and Mm -hmm. TV stations and uh, film studios. So I kind of kept trying to go that way and continue with writing. Life got in the way. I had kids, Mm -hmm. changed careers. Um, I think when I graduated from journalism school, the economy had taken a downturn. Mm-hmm. Uh, newspapers were not hiring. So I kind of had to find other sources of income for a while. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in 2017, yep, 2017, the glimmer of the girl in the gold bikini started. It was probably 2016 when I started thinking, yeah. I think I'm ready to write a book. Like it's a long time between graduating sure. from journalism school in 1995 <laughs> to 2017 when I actually started writing the book. So, you know, I 
my journey took me far away from writing, but when you're meant to do something, you'll always find your way back. And it doesn't matter how old you are or when you start. So I, I spent a year writing The Girl in the Gold Bikini, writing it, editing, rewriting, re-editing. And I knew from the very first word, I knew I was going to self-publish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was an interesting journey. I had a very steep learning curve, having never done this before. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, in today's world, it's really easy to self-publish mm-hmm. a book. You know, there's software out there that will do your layout. Um, Amazon and Ingram Spark are the two leaders in self-publishing. So really, you upload and they'll identify errors and they'll tell you how to fix them. And they have templates for book covers. Like, it, they oh, just wow. made it so easy. Oh, that's good. That's great to hear because I'm, I'm sure, you know, it's definitely a labor of love when you're writing a book. And I, I think that publishing process itself just feels so daunting that if there uh, is a good platform out there to be able to do that with ease, uh, I'm sure we can expect another book from you, perhaps? Yes, yes. <laughs> For sure, there's a lot of steps, right? Yeah. You know, you got to get, being a Canadian, when you're selling on Amazon, you have to call, you literally do have to call the IRS and get all the numbers and make sure that you've got everything set up right. And then you have to get an ISBN number for the book. And if you have a hardcover, um, you have a separate ISBN for hardcover, separate ISBN for paperback, one for audiobook, so and one for ebook. So there's a lot of steps prior to publishing your book that has to be taken, but mm-hmm. once you've done it once you know exactly, right? So I, you know, I had uh, murder on my mind. I had my ISBNs in hand long before I was even finished writing the book. Mm-hmm. So Very cool. you have to know your title though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that helps. Now you are not a native to, uh, to Calgary. You are originally from Ontario. Is that correct? correct? So yes. tell me what brought you out West here. Cause I know it's been also a bit of a journey, a few journeys, maybe more than a few along the way to finally have you settle with your family here, uh, in Calgary. So this is our second time in Calgary. Um, my husband and I, we got married in 2004, the same year we had our first child. And then in 2005, his work brought us to Calgary. Mm-hmm. So we were here for three years. Then in 2008, his work took us to Vancouver. And then in 2011, his work took us back to Toronto. And then in 2012, we had an opportunity to come back to Calgary and I, I love it here so much that it wasn't even, well, I don't know, should we do it? It was instant. All right, I'm going to start packing the bags. I was ready to go because I love it here. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And you think this is this is home base now and no, no plans well, or nothing on the forefront to, to move again? Or is it still kind of, can it still be up in the air? Well, this is the longest in our 17 years of marriage. This is the longest we've stayed in one place. Mm -hmm. We're very restless, obviously. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, we've been back here since 2012. It's now 2021. Uh, So I don't anticipate another move on the horizon. Uh, That's not to say that there would never be another move on the horizon. We never know. Sure. 
Now, I want to ask you a little bit more about being a content creator. Explain to me exactly what that entails, because I'm, I don't know if I'm 100% sure what that means and what types of uh, content you enjoy creating and for, you know, what types of, of companies or organizations you, you do work with. Okay, so when I say content creator, it's going to mean something different to everybody. Sure. But to me, it's I'm creating content for businesses mm -hmm. that is written and video. So that entails, the written portion entails blogs, newsletters, email strings, um, promotional material, content for promotional material, for brochures, for pamphlets, for postcards, and also video content. So mm -hmm. promotional video, marketing videos, product videos, demo videos, hiring videos, all of, all of that. I work with a wide variety of, of clients. Mm -hmm. um, I work with the solopreneurs. I have um, realtors that I do work for. I have a construction company that I do work for. Um, a cleaning company, one of the best cleaning companies that's out there. Okay. Um, so it's a wide variety. Uh, and I love it because I learn things that I never knew before. And sure. I have, I probably really like, you know, my dad used to joke, he used to say, I know a whole lot of stuff about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I kind of get that now because yeah. I, I have like all these facts and, sure. and notions in my head, yeah. which probably is what makes me a better writer is because oh, sure. I kind of have that broad view, yeah. but also really narrow down into details for a specific company. But, you know, I have clients who make $50,000 a year and my mm -hmm. biggest client does $10 million a year. Oh, wow. So it's, yeah. it's a wide range of, of different companies. And, and that's probably how I got to know you a little bit better years ago. Cause I hired you to do my, um, my video for my uh, private business, Nourish Lactation Consulting. You uh, did a beautiful video with the mama that I was working with helping to support breastfeeding. So you know, you probably knew a little more about latching and uh, good good position for breastfeeding after you got to watch me. <laughs> it's so true. Like I video. learned so much from that day. I mean, it was you know seven or eight years too late at the time. <laughs> I sure could have used you when I had my first because our our breastfeeding did not go well. Right, right. Yeah, at I... the time, um, you know, that was back in two thousand four, and at the time, lactation consultants were not available. Saturday and Sunday. Sure. So, you know, our firstborn was born uh, early Friday morning. Mm -hmm. And by the time we were settled and in the room and, you know, postpartum and all that that comes with that and all the testing, yeah. the lactation consultant had gone home for the day. Right. Yeah. So I, we had no guidance. I had no help. I was left to my own devices. And our firstborn ended up with... Um, jaundice okay because he wouldn't eat and I didn't know what I was doing right, so right well it's it's a very common common story and and that is one of the reasons why I, I started nourish was to be able to provide that sort of seven day a week support to moms that that need breastfeeding help in their home setting because often yeah there just isn't that opportunity uh, to give it to them uh, you know in the hospital setting so yeah all sorts of journeys along the, uh, the way of 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 womanhood 
sometimes with lots of tears and, and other times right with lots of smiles. Um, now getting back to, to murder on my mind, when you finally, you know, finished the book and it was released, what did that feel like to you? It's always scary. <laughs> Whenever I put like a blog or, you know, uh, a story or a book out there, I have this moment of, yay, I did it again. And yeah. then, oh my gosh, people are going to read this. <laughs> and like, you know, I share some really candid details. Yes. Like I share about our sex life. That's like super private. Right. Um, right. And of course, my husband was like, I don't care what you write about our sex life. I just want to sound like I'm really good at what I do. <laughs> you know, like I, I had this moment of fear because I, I'm, I put everything out there for people to read. Right. And, you know, you never know how your words are going to connect with people. Mm -hmm. Are people going to be, you know, disgusted? Are they going to think you're full of yourself for wanting to tell your stories? Is it going to resonate with anyone? It's, it can be extremely emotional to put your words out there, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. Sure. And I know you have two sons and how old are they now? They are 15 and 16. Oh, wow. So you're like in the throes of, of teenagehood. What do they think about their mom being an author? They don't care. Oh. <laughs> they don't really, you know what? Because they're they're hundred percent teenagers. Right. They, right. you know, they're. I shouldn't say they don't care. They're very supportive. Mm -hmm. They're wonderful. They get excited when I get excited when the books come in or when a review uh, rolls in the door. But sure. my sixteen-year-old. So when I published uh, the girl in the gold bikini, he was. 14, no, 13, so, or 12 or 13, and he was super nervous that I would become so famous, he's like, and he <laughs> said, I don't want to be the famous, famous kid of a writer, or I don't want to be the kid of a famous writer, yeah. and everybody will know who I am, and what you do, and what you wrote, <laughs> like, that was his big concern back then, and I asked him at the time, I said, do you know who J.K. Rowling's children are and he said good point. Good point. no <laughs> and I said, then what are you worried about I'm not ever going to be that famous <laughs> and you don't even know her kids names mm -hmm. so you're good so he's fine. but yeah. you know they're they haven't read murder on my mind my 16 year old um snuck a copy of the girl in the gold bikini <laughs> oh, cute. and he read it so I just it's interesting. I think I was horrified when I heard that he read it. He told me he read it because um, there's a lot of stuff in that book. Sure. Like I talk about the drugs that I did and the sex yeah. that I had and the travel. Like it's it's not really appropriate content for a 12 or 13 year old sure. kid. But he read it, and now I have no recourse for you know. Oh, you shouldn't do that because right, he knows right. exactly what I've done. He knows what his mom was up to in her earlier yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, but they're, you know what, they think it's kind of neat. Um, they they try very hard to not show that, that they're excited when good things happen with my books, because, you know, they're teenagers, and they're not supposed to be 
engaged with their parents. Sure. <laughs> Uh, now this last year with the pandemic, how have you found that COVID has affected your way of doing business and, you know, creating that content for your customers? How, how has COVID uh, made you have to pivot in, in any way? Well, I had to pivot wildly. Mm -hmm. So when we went into our first lockdown in March of 2020, my calendar was full with video projects mm -hmm. until the end of May of that year. Wow. And then in the space of two weeks, I went from fully booked to I think I had two shoots left mm -hmm. because, you know, we were still figuring out how to socially distance right, and right. how we were going to be able to work and all those things. So I had to pivot very quickly. And for years, my, a lot of my clients have been asking me, can you, can you write stuff for me? Can mm -hmm. you do newsletters and blogs? And I always said no, because I was fully into the video, right. uh, video content creation. And then COVID hits and I have to find another way to have income coming <laughs> in. So I sent out an email to all my clients saying, all right, this is what we're gonna do. We gotta still tell the stories. We have to still share the information in a safe way. And this is the best way that I know how to do it. So yes, I am going to take on writing clients. Mm -hmm. So I had three clients right away who, who were like, yes, please, let's do it. Oh, so I was able to pivot uh, and add those services. And it's just that side of the business has really grown. Mm -hmm. um, I also started uh, in 2019, um, I had started ghostwriting a book with a client mm -hmm. and we put that on hold because, because of COVID. Yeah. So that's starting up again. And I'm now booking ghostwriting projects into 2022. Oh, fantastic. So it was, it was the right move, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Well, that's great that you were able to, you know, tap into some of those other resources that you can, that you can provide your clients and, and still be able to do the things that, that you love to do. And hopefully now, you know, vaccinations are, are rolling out nicely. We get everybody with a needle in their arm and things will slowly begin to return to normal. So hopefully... 2021 uh, is going to be full of all sorts of wonderful things for you. Do you have any uh, big projects on the go at the moment? So I have a couple of things going on. So I wrote two books, uh, two fiction books for middle graders. So uh, oh. kids eight to 12. And I have an agent who is currently shopping those two publishers oh, right nice. now. Um, that's been an interesting journey. That's a hurry up and wait kind of uh, adventure. If I had taken those two books and self-published them, they would have been out for, oh my gosh, almost two years now. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it, you know, it takes a long time to find a traditional publisher, but when you add COVID into the mix, yeah. and a lot of the publishing houses are based in New York, and New York yeah. was slammed right, right. at the beginning with cases. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people dialed back. There's always a lot of movement in publishing companies anyways, right. and COVID just kind of exacerbated that. So mm -hmm. I have to be patient, which is very <laughs> hard for me to do because now that I published two books, I want to get these kids' get books going. out, right? Yeah. They're very... Um, 
they're STEM-based. So science, technology, sure. engineering, math. Oh, nice. um, so they're a higher level middle grade. Yeah. Uh, you know, my main character is an 11 year old science freak who just sees the world through the eyes of science, yeah. right? Yeah, it's not, just, he's not just breathing. He's like, my lungs are expanding so that, <laughs> you know, the blood can flow to me. Like that's how he thinks. Oh, he's a wow. bit of a, he's totally a science nerd and I love him to bits. So that's going on. Uh, I'm working on another fiction, book of fiction uh, for the young adults. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just, it's in the early stages of first draft right now. So a lot of it's probably crappy. and <laughs> I'm okay with that. Uh, that's part of the process, right? Is yeah. each, each of the books um, that I wrote have had seven drafts between first oh, draft wow. and final draft which is normal for right, me. Right, right. I would think, you know, wanting to get the the most, you know, the best, most authentic work out there, it probably takes a lot of writing and rewriting and editing and then rewriting again. Yep. So. And just when you think everything's done, you have a structural editor who will say to you, no, you yeah. need to change. It like you get a three-page document of all the changes <laughs> you need to make. <laughs> oh, that's great. So just to sort of tie things up here as we come to the end of the podcast, Dana, when you think back to how the community has been able to support you and be there for you throughout this uh, entire journey of, of writing a book and, and your content creating, what kind of stands out the most for you in terms of the support that you've received from your community? I think a turning point for me was when I launched the girl, the gold bikini and had that, that live event mm -hmm. and to see everybody who had come out to, you know, hear me read and have a discussion about the book was just, it, it just warms my heart. Like just to see people. I mean, I'm, I really have a hard time. I have my, uh, my book launch for murder of my mind is virtual, mm -hmm. which is, really hard for me because yeah. I'm a hugger, right? I want to see everybody and hug everybody yeah. and see the books in your hands mm -hmm. and have conversations. And it's, this COVID is, is really taking a toll on that part of my personality. Sure. But I just, I like to be surrounded by the people in the community. I mean, yeah. there's a, there's some things in the girl in the gold bikini that are stories that are uniquely Jewish, <laughs> um, you know, Passover gatherings, sure. we've, which we've all just been through very yeah. differently this year. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's important to me to share that piece of the community and how it has such an impact in my life. Oh, that's great. Well, Dana, thank you so much for joining us today. This was fantastic. I'm glad we got to have this opportunity to chit chat and talk about your new book and your previous book, Girl in a Gold Bikini, and just to hear about some of the exciting projects you have on the go. And we're so glad to have you part of our community. And we look forward to hopefully being able to hug each other and meet in person later this year. And I wish you all the best of luck. And thank you again for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Leanne. My pleasure. 
Coming up on the next episode of the Community Podcast Series, we will be chatting with Paulina Brenner, Executive Director of B'nai B'rith Calgary and Manager with Beauty Counter.